Today is week two of a series called Jesus Loves Our City. So do we. I thank you for letting me deliver this by video today. Um, there's many people that could have spoken today. We have such a good house of speakers, but I had prepared this message and really felt like I wanted to deliver this week too. So the question I want us to look at together is, since we know that Jesus loves our city, he loves people, it's the reason he came to the earth, right? And, and did what he did. People are what make cities, cities. So it follows that Jesus loves our city. So how does that change the way that we live in the city? Last week we saw that it changes our perspective. It changes the way that we talk about the place that we live, the way that we honor our city. It changes the way we make plans. Instead of making plans to leave, we plan on staying. It changes the way that we pray for our city. We found out that when our city prospers, we prosper. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, three verses starting in verse 25. This is what we read, that there may be no division in the Bible body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Would you pray with me today? Lord Jesus, thank you for gathering us in from all different directions, different perspectives, different backgrounds, but you have a specific word for each of us. Lord, I pray that that word would start with me, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. God, you're my rock and my redeemer. Please speak to us today in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody say a big amen. 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 I learned something last year uh, that I kind of already knew, and it, it took a global pandemic to move it from theory to fact for me. I always knew how few things I could actually do by myself, but once you don't see anyone other than your, your, uh, the people in your house for, for a few months, you realize how important that is to life. Being together with others is just how we operate on a day-to-day -day basis. It's how we live. What I realized more than I ever have last year and this year is that we need each other to survive. So yeah, I could worship at home on my couch. We figured that out last year. Last year, first time ever on Easter, there I was at my house. But, but it's not the same, is it, as when we're together somewhere lifting Jesus up? The answer is no, by the way. It's not the same. I, I can go out seven nights a week and eat at the best restaurants, take out food from the best restaurants, but it doesn't have even close to the same effect as one good night out with friends. Listen, the city is made up of people, and Jesus loves the city because he loves people. And I know it might seem like a very basic thing to say, but if Jesus feels the need to be with people and love them in that way, then I have that same need. You have that same need. I need you to survive. Everybody knows that being a Jesus person is about loving people. But in these verses in 1 Corinthians, Paul is just trying to let followers of Christ know how to be like Jesus and how to act and love people like Jesus does. And so he says, we're like a body. And it's like we are different body parts, but we function as one. Right? We, we don't function independently. You, you see this. We, we function as one. Get this. If the body is going to function, it will only happen when we function 
as one. This is true of cities too. If a city is going to prosper, any of its prosperity is going to come from people functioning as one. Come on, I want you to help me today just like I was standing right in front of you. Come get with me right now. There's a humility to loving your city like Jesus does. There's a humility that's attached to supporting your church in the city. What does that humility looks like? It's like every person, every body part needs the, the other person. That's what it looks like. Every body part needs the other body part. Every person needs the other person, no matter how different they are. The early church leader named Paul is channeling, doing some Kendrick Lamar right here. You see, he's saying, sit down, be humble, right? No body part has the right to assume that it's more important. Your pride about who you are and what you've done and who you know and what family you were born into and how much money is in your banking account. Watch this has no place in the city and it certainly has no place in the church. Verse 27, he said, you are the body. And, and, and get this, I want you to hear this phrase, individually members. That's an interesting phrase, individually members. Now, I'm tracking in, in two directions at the same time, and you're all smart enough to get it. In fact, I'm tracking it more than that. You could add your family as a third track here. You could add your marriage as a fourth track. You could add your job as a fifth track. The thing about God's Word that I love is that it's true and effective on every level. This is important for all these different tracks. In order for a city to operate well, in order for a marriage, in order for a family to operate well, a workplace to operate well, if this church is going to be a fully functioning, healthy place, every individual member has has to do its parts. And if they don't, everything else becomes vulnerable. Another time, the same guy named Paul said it this way. I love this. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3, he said, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. In fact, you should kind of be sober. And he's not talking about alcohol and drugs here, right? He said, you should be sober. Kind of, you should be uh, reality-minded when you think about yourself. Think about yourself as you actually are. So we don't elevate certain roles more than, as more important than others. Celebrities, mayors, and watch this, pastors are not more important than the individual church member, not more important than the local deli owner or the florist or in the church, the usher, the small group leader. Get this, they all have jobs and they all have titles that serve a certain purpose in the community and in the church. And if the city is going to recover and experience the shalom of God this week, shalom, it's peace, it's soundness, it's wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing's broken. If you want to see that, it's online from last week. If that's going to happen, then every person is needed. Every person. We have a lady that has been the crossing guard for Nathan Hill Middle School for many years. She, she stands on the corner of Strawberry Hill and Tyranny Street in Norwalk, right by our house. And she used to really kind of annoy me because she was always doing, I don't know, crossing guard stuff and getting in my way. Until about three years ago, maybe a little bit more, I had a perspective shift. And now i got to tell you, she's my hero. This woman is amazing. You should watch her work. She should have a big cape that she wears with a, a big S on it, right? And especially now when enrollment is up in our schools in Norwalk and the, the roads around our schools that pick up and drop off are really kind of close to out of control. She's not just some woman with a yellow vest. She matters and we need her. 
Listen, when you wave at people, when you're working in the parking lot and they're driving in or making coffee or ushering people to their seat, I hope you don't think it's just some role that we had to have somebody fill. It's not just some job that somebody had to do. I've told you before these studies about churches where they find out that people make a decision about whether or not they're going to return to a church when they're a guest within about 8 to 10 minutes of when they arrive. Within eight to 10 minutes, that's usually before the music starts. It's certainly before they heard me or anybody else give or preach a sermon of any kind. It's before I got to talk to them after the service was over. Who is it that they come into contact with within eight to 10 minutes? It's the parking person. It's the person at the door. It's the hospitality team member. It's the usher. It's the Broad River kids or nursery team member. Pastor, Paul's talking about spiritual things here, spiritual, right? You're reading a little too much into these, aren't you? Am I? Who are more spiritual things than the people of the city that we live in or the people that we go to church with? What other things in your life are the things that have God's DNA in them, that were created in the actual image of the only true God? So yeah, when Paul says in verse 25 that members of his body need to have care for each other, that's extended to the way we act as one body in our city. That's why I can't wait for Love Week coming up in October when we serve our city for a whole week. I, I like how shocking this idea of praying for our roads was to everyone last week. Don't, don't be surprised when God's word leads you to very practical ways of acting. That's what it's supposed to do. So let me push on that whole practical thing. Acting as one in our community might be praying for our roads. It might be trying to find a local farmer's market to buy from or maybe finding a local artist. I've been doing this lately to, in the city that I live in to, to buy my Christmas gifts from. Last year when we were privileged enough to speak as part of the pastor's prayer march during the protests following George Floyd, uh, George Floyd's death last year, part of my prayer was saying this, God, lead us to find local black business owners to buy from and to partner with in business. Jesus loving our city is practical like that. Loving our neighbors includes being concerned with their livelihood. You can ask Jacinta when we go to a new place that opens up in town, I am immediately thinking about how I can help promote their business. Why? I want them to make it. Saying, so do we, when Jesus, we find out that Jesus loves our city and caring for our neighbors might look like organizing a neighborhood watch. When our city prospers, we prosper. If your neighbor's house is vandalized, it's not like, well, they should, you know, they should have had ring security installed like I did. No, no, no. Your house may be next. If all the street lights are broken, then we might get worried about our kids playing outside. Are you getting this? Our lives are part of a circle that relies on us and others to do our part when we can. I said last week. That when we acknowledge that God answers prayers, we don't have to run from things we don't like. That was a big thing that I want our church to embrace. I want you to embrace it. Let me add to that. As Christians, we have two feet firmly in two worlds all the time. I want you to get this. Jesus said, I don't want you to be just like the world that you live in, but I want you to really be in the world that you live in. Two feet, two worlds. So we can hold two things 
two ideas, two realities in our hands at the same time. We don't have to be polarized to either political camp or any cultural camp. We can't be. So get this, two things at once. The world we live in is full of kindness. I meet people, kind people all the time. The nonprofit I co-founded 11 years ago showed me every day how much people want to care for others. I see all, all of you showing kindness to each other all the time. But get this, here's an unpopular word, okay? The world we live in is also filled with sin, prejudice of all kinds, racism, poverty, even sickness. These are all the result of sin, and they're unfortunately a part of our everyday lives. So loving our city like Jesus does mean fighting against anything hateful that affects any of our neighbors. Now, I don't have to let somebody else determine what hateful behavior looks like. The Bible gives me all the insight that I need on that as well. So we don't follow the culture like a water skier following the boat, right? We don't allow terms to be defined externally. But when we see hate, the way the Bible describes hate, we fight it. We've had people in our church affected by discrimination of various kinds on their jobs. By the way, discrimination comes in lots of different packages, y'all. And we fight it. It may not be my job, for instance, to determine how my country handles immigration. I may have my own opinions on what would be a better way for us handling immigration. But guess what I don't have the option to do? And that is to turn my back on immigrants who are my neighbors that are in need. I don't have that option. The place where God has placed you is on purpose and you're needed here. I mentioned immigration just now. I just mentioned that in a spot. I could have said several things. It's an example, so don't allow yourself to go off on the immigration trail. What I want you to get is when we choose to work against, when we choose to fight, when we say we're just not going to tolerate people being treated poorly, what are we doing? We're taking a stand to not let our city and our community be a hub of negativity and a hub for sin. We can just say, not in my city. Not here. There's too many Jesus followers. We know better. Our perspective has shifted. Well, what are you saying, Pastor? What's the agenda behind the message? Here's the agenda. Cards on the table. We are all made in the image of God, and we can never allow the mistreatment of others to be okay and normal. That's just one thing you can take away from today. There's a whole lot of other things, too. When Jesus came... To this world. He said, I know you've been trying to follow these 613 different mitzvahs, 613 different rules. He said, Let me simplify this for you. Here's two. Jesus highlighted two. He said, You should love the Lord your God with everything you have. And here's a second one that's very much like the first one. You should love your neighbors like you love yourself. I want you to hear this day. Your part matters. You as an individual member matter because when you do what you're called to do, the city prospers, the church prospers, your family prospers, your marriage prospers. In verse 26, Paul says here, here's how interdependent the body of Christ is. When one member suffers, we all suffer together. Come on, everybody say all suffer together. And then he says, if one member is honored, all rejoice Together, Come on, say that. All rejoice together. That's the design of the body. We were back in Albuquerque for Christmas this past year, and on the way out of the flight, I just felt this pain in my tooth. 
I got through Christmas and the, the day after, uh, I had a, a little hard time sleeping with this pain, just uncomfortable. And then the next night, not only did I not sleep, I was in such bad pain, I was rolling around and moaning like us men do when anything goes wrong with us, right? My head hurt so bad for some reason. My right shoulder was in horrible pain. I had cold shivers. I could not sleep. My body was shutting down. That tooth came out the next day, and when they got it out, it's just like this little tiny piece of bone, and it took my whole body over. You've experienced this, right? Some of you had your appendix taken out. The appendix, this very small organ that I can't even tell you what an appendix do. I doubt doctors even know. Okay, maybe doctors know. But when that puppy goes bad, your entire body is in trouble, right? One member suffers. Everybody suffers together. But when one member is good and honored and treated well, the whole body does well. A few years back, my, my wife talked me into getting a, a pedicure with her. Yes, I'm a guy that occasionally gets pedicures. Deal with it, okay? Okay, because I'm beautiful. And, and sure, they, they do lots of stuff down there when they're working, but you know my favorite part of the pedicure? It's, it's just putting my feet in the hot water with the bubbles. My whole body is just like, yes, you have done us a solid, my friend. Paul uses the human body in these kinds of common experiences to make sure we get what's happening in here this morning and what's happening when you go to the grocery store tomorrow the body is arranged in such a way that every part is important to every other part some of you have let yourself off the hook for way too long so i'm just going to let god's word put you right back on the hook today it's the same thing here and in our city every follower of jesus is important to the church and to every other christian because if it happens to me it happens to you. I know my role and calling are different, but I want you to know that when I find out about some significant health diagnosis about somebody in this church, I think about it and I pray about it every day. I wake up in the morning thinking about it. Sometimes I get shook awake in the middle of the night thinking and praying about it, but it's not just all bad. We rejoice together too. If something good happens to you. I, I had someone tell me how good their kid is doing at university early on. And I was like, yes, my guy's doing good. If it happens to me, it happens to you because, watch this, my church belongs to me. My city belongs to me. These verses were written because there was some division going on in the Corinthians church. I'm going to be honest to tell you, we don't have a lot of division happening in our church right now. Thank God. But one way we can continue avoiding division and keep functioning in a healthy way is to get this. Get this. We, we've got plenty of division in our city. We, and for sure in our nation, so as Christians, we have to get this. A full, functioning, healthy body. We have to keep moving forward. The church is not a stationary type thing. We aren't trying to build a cathedral that lasts for a thousand years. We're trying to have an effect on people's hearts that's for all eternity. Full functioning. Full functioning. I want us to be healthy. Jesus said, I didn't come for healthy people. I came for sick people. Jesus knew that he had to be with us. We had to be together. Humanity wasn't functioning. The human project was failing. We couldn't save ourselves, so he came. He was Emmanuel, the God that was with us. The God that was with us. I want you to pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for gathering us into this place. Thank you for this vision that you're getting for this church and the individual members of this body functioning, fully functioning.
for the benefit, Lord, of the city that you've placed us in. Lord, we believe, we're convinced in our hearts that when our city prospers, we prosper. And so we pray for the peace of the city. Lord, as we seek the people of the city, Lord, as we recognize our role in seeking the peace of the city. I just want to say a prayer today for maybe two or three or five or ten that have gathered in here today, maybe online, that you've never made the decision to follow Jesus. And uh, I think this is the most important part of the service where you just have the opportunity to, to pray and ask Jesus to, to be the ruler and the leader of your life. And Broad River Church, uh, everyone's going to pray together today. So if that's you today and you want to pray and make the decision to make today, the, the, the first day of, of making Jesus the leader of your life and the ruler of your life. Would you just repeat these words after me? And we're all going to pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for your resurrection and the new life that I have in you. And now I give you my heart. Turn me back to you. Forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you all of my life.